Good morning. Welcome to all of you who did not set your clock up and you normally come to the early service and you're here today because of that. It's great to see you. Uh, I was here last Sunday for the second service just to get to hear the missionary speaker and I, what a wonderful message he gave. But he is uh, serving in the part of the world where my son-in-law and daughter served for eight years and they are good friends. So they said, Pop, you need to go and hear him. He's a great preacher and they were right. I enjoyed it very much. Please turn in your New Testament to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, and uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 9 and read through the rest of the chapter. As we preach today on the subject, we need each other. Uh, today is Deacon Ordination Day, and uh, Brother Charlie Tipton will be ordained uh, as a deacon. And uh, so the message for Deacon Ordination Day has to kind of cover two bases. I told them in the early service it's a double barrel shotgun. One is for the deacons and uh, Brother Charlie as he's being ordained, a challenge for him, an ordination challenge. But it's also the other barrel is for all the rest of us. Because really and truly God doesn't have a double standard. And uh, the message today is very simple and it's very practical. And so I hope uh, it'll be a blessing to you. So I don't, I say that, I don't want you to tune me out because you're thinking this is for the deacons only, because it's not. It's for all of us, including this preacher. I discovered something about the DNA of this uh, church, uh, and I want to continue that, that you love standing while we read the Word of God. I think that's a great practice. And so I'm going to ask you if you would to stand with me, and I'm going to begin reading out of the English Standard Version, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9. And I'm reading, Do your best to come to me soon. Now that's Paul. He's writing from the Mamertine prison in Rome. The sword is hanging over his head. The pretrial has already been executed. His execution is a foregone conclusion. The only thing they do not know is when it will take place. So Paul is writing to his young protege, Timothy, a young man he loved with all of his heart, and he's asking him to plan to come be with him. He doesn't want to die alone. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. That's a lot of pathos in that little phrase, isn't it? Only Luke is with me. Mark, uh, uh, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark, that's John Mark, and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in ministry. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according 
to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Would you pay particular note to that phrase? Come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Prudence and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Now, Father, I pray the Holy Spirit who inspired the writing of these words would illuminate them now to our minds and our hearts and motivate and animate us to obey what you teach us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you be seated, please? little girl was crying one night because of a bad storm outside that was raging. And so she called for her mother to come and comfort her. Her mother went into the room and she began to share with the little girl that she need not be afraid because Jesus was with her. To which the little girl replied, I know, Mama, but I want somebody with skin on him. And the truth is, we all need somebody with skin on him. And I am grateful that the Lord Jesus Christ meets that qualification, aren't you? For he was the God-man, as much God as if he were not man, and as much man as if he were not God at all. He is the God-man. He has skin on him, and he's able to comfort us. But just as that little girl needed her mama, and needed Jesus. You see, all of us need somebody sometime. I like what Dean Martin used to sing, everybody loves, everybody loves somebody sometime. But I like to change the lyrics to this, everybody needs somebody sometime. Paul needed Timothy. You know, as you study the Bible, you recognize that principle from Genesis to Revelation. You don't have to get too far into the scripture where you come to King David. And when I think of King David, I, I think of a man after God's own heart, a man that God loved him and forgave him and used him mightily in spite of his flaws. But I also think of another man who made it possible for David to become king. You see, David would never have been king without Jonathan. David had Jonathan watching his back. And Jonathan's father, Saul, was out to kill David. And had it not been for Jonathan, no doubt Saul would have killed him. You see, David needed Jonathan. If you read the book of Ruth, you find a widow lady by the name of Orpha 
who could never have survived. She couldn't have made it had it not been for Ruth. It was Ruth that went out into the field of Boaz and gleaned and got them sustenance so that they could live. And eventually in Boaz's field, Boaz fell in love with her and gave her not only temporary sustenance, but lifelong protection and care. But Orpha would never have known that had she not had Ruth. David needs his Jonathans. You see, Naomi needs Ruth. Moses needed Aaron and her. God said to Moses, if, if I'm going to send Joshua down into the valley, and Joshua is going to lead the battle against the Amalekites. But Moses, I'm going to send you up on the mountain. And as long as you hold your hands up, then they'll win the battle down in the valley. But if you let your hands down, then they'll lose the battle. And then he sent two men, Aaron and Hur, who stood under each arm of Moses. And they would hold his arms up. And when Aaron and Hur would, would, would cease to do that and his hands came down, guess what? Then, then Joshua began to lose the battle. You see, Moses could not have functioned in that role had it not been for Aaron and her. The truth is, my dear brothers and sisters, we need each other. We really do. Why? Well, the Lone Ranger needed Tonto. <laughs> and Bat Batman needed Robin. Well, don't you know Sears needed Roebuck? I mean, you just, you got to have somebody along the way. Amen? We need each other, and we especially need each other in the church, in the church. And, and, and as we are observing the ordination uh, and recognizing the office of deacon today, uh, I know that the, deacon, the word deacon means servant. And the things I'm going to say today apply directly to, the, to them. Excuse me. But the things I'm going to say apply specifically to all of us today. So let's look at why Paul needed, uh, why Paul needed Timothy. I want to tell you three things that I, reasons why I think, I think Paul needed Timothy. Number one, Paul needed Timothy because Paul had a gaping void in his heart. There was a void to fill. And only Timothy could fill that void. You see, that void had been created by several different things. Number one, the void was created by desertion. Did you notice that word? Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now church, that word forsaken is an interesting word. It's the same word Jesus used when He hung on the cross. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the same word that Paul uses about Demas. Demas hath forsaken me. It, it, the word forsaken there carries with it the idea of leaving one in the lurch. In fact, one of the translators translated it that way. He's saying, Demas left me in the lurch. By that, it's implied that he not only left him, he left him at a point in time when he needed him the most, when he needed him desperately. You see, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 5, that, that our Lord will never leave us or what, church? Forsake us. Did you know that's the same word? And what Paul is saying is this, what, what Demas did to me is what Jesus promised he'd never do. And so there is a gaping void in Paul's heart and only 
Timothy can fill that void. No one else can take the place of Timothy in that particular situation. Now, you know what it feels like to have a void in your heart. Some of you know what it's like to be left in the lurch. You've had, uh, you've had a husband or a wife uh, who left you in the lurch. You've had a teenager maybe who left you in the lurch, left you, hurt you, you've been wounded. There's a hole in your heart. And, and, and you see, the deacons are called and all of us are called to find, be sensitive to the voids that people are going through and to be the human instrument God uses to help them to fill those voids. Some of you know what it's like to have a new normal in your life. You've had a husband or wife to die and you go home now and instead of sitting, sitting two places at the table, you sit one. You know what it's like to feel that aching void in your heart. Now, I want to say that we can never take that void away. I don't care how, how good you are and, and, and all the Bible that you know. But you, and you know what? You can't go and explain to them why they got cancer at 42. You can't explain to them why their teenager left. You can't explain to them why they were abandoned and left alone. Uh, you, you may not have all the answers, but you know what you can do? You can go up to them, put your arm around them and say, I don't understand everything you're going through, but I want you to know this. I love you, and the point loves you, and we're going to walk through this with you. See what I'm saying, church? All of us can do that, and all of us need to do that. So he needed Timothy to help fill that void. Number two, the, the void not only of desertion, but sometimes there's that, just that void of duty. That void of duty. Now what do I mean by that? Well, you notice a lot of other names besides Demas listed in that passage. Now, those other men, one went to Ephesus, one went to Thessalonica, one went to different places. But you know why they went? They weren't forsaking Paul. They were just following the will of God for their life and ministry. In other words, they were going to where God led them. But still, that still didn't make any difference. Paul still felt a void in his heart because those closest to him were gone. And so he was facing execution and he was facing it alone. And he's feeling lonely and he's feeling sorry and he needs somebody to come stand with him. Uh, you know, I know a little bit about that. In 50 years time, as Rose and I have served in some great churches through those years, and every time we would leave a church, it's just like leaving part of your heart there. You know, you, you, you leave there and, and there's a void in your heart. You leave friends there. You leave a track record of ministry there. You've seen God do things there, and, and, and you fill a, a void in your heart. Uh, I, I, Rose and I felt that void about, uh, about 10 years ago when we uh, took our daughter Vicki and, and went, Fox, we took them to the airport with two of our grandchildren. They had just been on staff in Virginia for 10 years, had built their dream home, and God called them to go to India. And so they sold their home and packed all of their worldly goods, sold them all except just what they could get in a few uh, packages. And we were at the airport getting ready for them to leave to go to India. We wouldn't be seeing them for a good while. And uh, so we were happy. I had prayed for Vicki since she was born, that she had followed the Lord. And so I was applauding the fact that they were going to India. But why did Rose and I cry all the way home from the airport? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because there was a hole in our heart. And sometimes, sometimes you're glad God's doing that, but it still hurts sometimes. 
And, and so, you know, there's, there's voids that are created as other people do. Just like your heart hurts. When, when God called Brother Wade away, your heart hurts. There's a void in your heart. And as the pastor search team is out there looking for the right person to come and help fill that void. He won't be Brother Wade. He'll be his own man. He'll have his own gift package. But he'll be God's man. And God will, will help to fill that void. So you see, that's what deacons do. That's what all of us do. We try to help fill the voids. But voids are caused not only by, by uh, desertion and, and duty. They're called, caused, as I said a while ago, by death. Sometimes we lose a loved one. And let me say to the deacons, you know, I've discovered a lot of people that I was pastored 30, 40 years ago, they don't remember the messages I preached. You know, as I know they were great messages. I just know they were. <laughs> but, but when they see me, <laughs> they don't ever say, Brother Tommy, you remember that time you preached on Amos 4.12? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> but you know what they say? Brother Tommy, I'll never forget when my father was dying and you came by and you prayed for us. I'll never forget that. You know, you know that's, that's voids. That's voids. You can have the greatest preacher in the world, and I hope you get him. But preaching alone is not what the church is about. It's that personal love. It's that, it's that training and teaching and, and loving people and helping them to get to the point where they can face life's challenges with faith and confidence in the Word of God. Well, there's a void to fill. But that wasn't the only reason why Paul needed Timothy. Uh, secondly, they, he needed Timothy. Uh, by the way, by the way, my, I forgot to say this in the first crowd, so don't tell them I told you more than I told them. But there's two blanks down there I forgot to fill. And I know some of you blank fillers, you're going to die if I don't tell you what it is. How, 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 how can we meet needs? Two things. Presence and prayer. You know, ministry I found is more caught than taught. And, and, and hey, I've discovered... 50% of ministry, Brother Alvin, is just showing up. <laughs> just showing up. I, I'm, you may not have all the answers. Don't be intimidated because, well, I don't know what to say. It's not what you say. It's the fact that you love enough to be with them. And all the church said, thank you. Well, I got that out of the way. Let's go to the second one now. There was not only a void to fill, there was a need to meet. A need to meet. Now, what was that need? Did, did you see the text? He said, Timothy, when you come, bring my coat, uh, bring the parchments, and uh, bring my, my books. Uh, what he's saying there is, uh, I've got a physical need, I've got a practical need, and I've got a preeminent need. And he said, the physical need is this, I need my coat, Timothy. They, they arrested him. You, you know, the history of Paul is he was in jail on, under house arrest in Rome for a, a good while. Then apparently he was released and then later rearrested. And when they rearrested him, they, it happened apparently, uh, this is, you know, this is Vincent's sanctified imagination. I, I, 
I, I, this is what I think, this is what to m- me makes sense, because Paul wouldn't normally leave his coat, and he certainly wouldn't leave his Bible. And so he said, would you bring my Bible, my writing material, and my coat? Why do you think that happened? I think it's because they arrested him so quickly and drug him away. And he's in that Roman prison without what, he, what means the most to him. And so he says, first of all, bring my coat. Now that's, you know, that's just a simple, practical, physical need. You won't ever get your picture in the Baptist record by giving somebody a coat. I mean, that's just not, quote, spiritual. Yes, it is. Are, are you with me? Yes, it is. When you bake a cake and take it to someone who's, you know, who's hurting, God takes note of that. They may not write you up in the Baptist record, but God notes it. You see, when, when you babysit for a young couple one night just to let them get out, <laughs> God takes note of that. He takes note of that. When you go by the nursing home and, and you spend a few minutes with a, a lady or a, a man who hardly ever gets a visit and you pray for them and just listen to them and talk to them, God notices that. Very practical. Number two, not only a practical need, but here's a, the second need is the need for parchment. Uh, what does that mean? It means that he wants them to bring writing material. Why? Because I think, I, wouldn't, I don't think Paul ever wanted to uh, burn out. He, he wanted to, he didn't want to rust out. He wanted to burn out. <laughs> I, I think Paul had another letter in him. He probably had another letter to the Corinthians. Lord knows they needed another one, Right? If you ever studied the Corinthian letter, they had all kind of problems. It makes even Baptists feel good about themselves. I don't know what it was, but Paul said, I've got some writing material that I need. I've got some letters I need to write. And Timothy, would you bring that to me? You know what that says to me? That says, listen to me, senior adults. Listen to me. Paul is saying, I'm not going to quit. Don't use your age as an excuse for sitting down and doing nothing. There are things you can do. Hey, the church needs you. Are you with me? The church needs you. We need your wisdom. We need your experience. We we need your your guidance. We just need your presence. We need our grandkids to be able to meet you in the hallway and talk to you. And hear you talk to them. And then... He said, bring my Bible. Wow. If a man who wrote half the New Testament needed his Bible, don't you think we need ours? I said, don't you think we need ours? Yes, we do. If Paul needed the Word of God, how much more do we need God's precious Word? So there was a need to be met. He needed his coat. He needed the parchments. And he just simply needed the Bible. Well, but that's not all. There was a third thing, third reason why. Void to fill, need to meet. There was a wound to heal. Did you see what he said? When you come, Timothy, bring John Mark. Why do you think he said that? You remember John Mark? His past with Paul was somewhat checkered, right? (laughs) I mean, it wasn't always smooth sailing between John Mark and Paul. If you read about his first 
missionary journey, Acts 13, Acts 15. You read about his first missionary journey, then Uncle Barnabas, who was, who was, uh, uh, who was the uncle with, uh, with John, said to Paul, let's take John Mark. And Paul said, okay, we'll take him. And so they went on their first missionary journey, just barely got started good, and guess what? John Mark went home. Now we're not told why he went home. We're just told he went home. He left them. Like Demas, he deserted them. Left them in the lurch. Now, fast forward. They come to the second missionary journey. Barnabas suggests again they take John Mark. Paul said in his best Latin, no way, Jose. We're not taking him. He's a quitter. He's a dropout. We're not taking him. And so we had the first split. <laughs> Paul and Barnabas, uh, you know, split up. And instead of having one missionary trip now, we got two. Isn't that the way God works? He makes the wrath of man to praise him. And so, and so years pass. Fast forward again. And we come to where we are in the text. Paul is facing imminent execution. He's lonely. He's in the Mamertine prison. It's cold and getting colder. It's probably damp. And he's lonely because everybody's left. Some for good reasons, some for bad reasons. Only Luke is there with him. God bless Luke. What a great man. Only Luke is with me. And so he's wanting Timothy to come. But he said to him, bring John Mark. You know what that says to me? It says that somewhere in these intervening years, Paul and John Mark have made things right. You know, you don't want to die with unresolved conflict. You don't. If you've got conflict with somebody, don't wait until it's too late. Don't do like the young man that, that I heard as we left the, uh, the freshly dug grave and we walked away and he said to me with pathos and, 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 and his heart so heavy, he said, Daddy knew I loved him, didn't he? Daddy knew I loved him, didn't he? And behind that was a story of unresolved conflict. You see, Paul said, Timothy, I need you. And Timothy, I really need you to come before winter. You know why he said that? Well, it was about a, a, a several month trip by ship from Ephesus where Timothy was pastoring to Rome. And, and so he, in coming by ship, he had to, it's going to take him a while to get there. And, and you see, they didn't sail in the wintertime in that part of the world. The waters were too choppy. You can read Acts 27 and you see where Paul got in trouble because they were trying to sail during that season and they had a shipwreck. That's the reason you didn't sail because the weather was unpredictable. And so if you didn't, you, you just, if you didn't go by the end of the fall, you didn't go until spring. And here's what Paul is saying. He said, come before winter because if you don't come before winter, you can't get here until spring. And if you don't get here until spring, you might as well not come at all for a corpse doesn't need a coat and a corpse doesn't need his Bible. Excuse me, I didn't mean to get upset about that. But we're talking about life and death. And we're talking about 
Not letting winter come on things that need to be done now. There's an open door, and if we don't step through it in the right time, it'll close forever. There's a wound that needs to be healed. It's, listen, if there's a relationship that needs to be restored, do it now. If there's a prayer you need to pray, pray it now. If there's a visit you need to make, visit it now. If there's a sin you need to confess, confess it now. There's a wound. We may have some wounded people here today. You may be wounded or you may need to be a wound healer. I'm not saying that you got all the answers. But I'm saying that if you care enough and love enough, God can use you to help heal wounds. Now all of this was contingent upon Timothy making a decision. Point two in your outline. All of it was contingent on Timothy's decision. You see, he was pastoring a good church in Ephesus. He had to make a decision between staying where it was relatively safe, although it was still had its problems, no perfect church, or to leave Ephesus where he had more security and go up to Rome where there was nothing but insecurity. He had to choose between safety and risk. And it all depended upon whether Timothy was willing to take a risk of faith and obey what Paul had asked him to do. Now we don't know for sure if Timothy ever made it. The Bible doesn't say. Clarence McCartney in the turn of the century had published a very well-known sermon and I read that sermon. I've read it several times through the years. But he, he imagines this that Timothy got the letter and he thought, you know, I need to do that. I need to go to Rome and see Paul before he dies. But he had a lot of things in the works, you know, and he just couldn't pull away. And so he finished all the stuff he had to do. And as time passed, he went down finally to get a, get him a ticket to the ship to Rome and only to be told I'm sorry Paul but the weather has gotten so that we can't sail anymore and we won't be sailing again until spring and I can just imagine as McCartney did that, that Timothy went back home and all month long all two months long Three months. He thought about Paul. I wonder if he's still alive. And as soon as the the uh, ships began to sail, he went down and bought him a ticket, got to Rome as fast as he could. And when he got off the ship, he went immediately to some of the Christians there. He lists a number of names in Romans 16 that Christians that were there, and he went 
to some of them probably. And when they opened the door, they said, you're Timothy. He said, yes, I am. Oh, Timothy, we're so glad to see you. Well, I'm glad to be here. How's Paul doing? Timothy, you haven't heard? No, I haven't heard. Paul was beheaded in December. Come before winter.